Maybe it could be one of those VoIP type numbers, but still. Ours always came up with Hamilton number. Scammer. Scam, scam, scammer. Yeah, probably. I had a big discussion with Jimmy Palmati about that the other day. About scammers? Yeah, because... Scammers going to scam. When he called, uh, his phone number is listed in New York. And um, I knew he lived in Florida, so I was confused. He's like... And then we were talking about it, and he's like, the only bad part about it is because he kept his number. Uh, was uh. that it was, or it was that like net, like all the scam phone numbers he gets are from the same area code. Yeah. So, first thought is like, oh, it's an, oh, old, friend. It's an old friend. And then, uh, no, it's not. It's just somebody with bullshit. My boss, we're doing a big rush. Well, last week we were packaging on uh, before the end of the week uh, for the long weekend, and it was like all hands on deck trying to get a bunch of stuff through. And he's like, his phone's ringing, he answers it, and he's like, "Hello, who are you? Who are you? No, I don't need my ducks cleaned." Clay, <laughs> calling to his business cell phone. It's very hard to clean ducks. I know. I don't understand why my ducks can't clean themselves. They live in the pond. The water all the time. You know, the water runs right off their back. They look pretty clean to me. When I lived in an apartment, I used to get people calling and asking if they could come clean my chimney. And I was like, sure, if you could find it, you can clean it. (laughs) (laughs) And with that mundane talk, we start another episode of True Northern. Yay! This week, we will be covering the news as always, a couple movie reviews, a, well, a sort of movie slash theater review, and we delve into the mystery pack of comics that we opened on the last episode. With us, as always, is the uh, the original OG crew. We have Kevin. Hello. We have Ryan. Hello. And we have Jen. Hello. So let's start off with some news, Ryan. News, 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 news. So um, the ever-in-trouble X-Men movie universe was in the news over the last couple weeks. Uh, So our, well, which I thought was funny because when we were leaving the movie theater the other day, remember I made that comment about, oh, hey, look, it's a new Mutants poster that says it's opening in April. Too bad that got moved to next August. The next next day it got moved moved again. again. It's now going to release in. Uh, sorry, it was, it was supposed to got moved to February of nineteen of nineteen nineteen of tw- twenty nineteen. Yeah. Now it's been moved to August of twenty nineteen. Sixteen months. Hey, I have very little faith in this movie. Well, it sounds like they're almost reshooting the whole movie to yeah. add new characters and make it scarier. They must have at some point because uh, some of the tie-in merchandise is already coming. <laughs> Well, there was a trailer last fall. Yeah. Well, they uh, they republished uh, uh, the Demon Bear issues yeah. in trade last week. It came out because the movie was supposed to come out, out this, this month. month. So there was that, and there. Um, I guess you could probably say, in some ways, the uh, the Deadpool line of 
figures kind of ties into it too with more mutant characters. Yeah, but no, I think that's Nobody just an directly, early yeah. tie-in. Mm. Those was just an early release for that movie. Uh, and then Dark Phoenix got moved. It was supposed to come out in November, and then now it got bumped to February. Yeah. So they bumped it to February, and then bumped the New Mutants from February to August. Theory with Dark Phoenix, though, was it? It doesn't seem to be so much of reshoots, more along the lines of they wanted to open and not get destroyed. So they're thinking and February is a good day to put it. Movies never are months. huge hits in February. Yeah. Well, well, let's just look at Black Panther. The yeah, movie did no business. But, so, if you, but if you, so think about it. Before, so Black Panther this year, but the last two years before this, has been a Fox mutant movie that's opened and done well in February. Oh, you got De- Logan and Deadpool. Deadpool, yeah. I'm just happy that they're starting to release stuff in February because that space of time that between Christmas and spring yeah. well, that is used, so boring. That yeah. used to be the dumping ground for movies that they didn't think would do anything. Yeah. Because nothing else is out that maybe we'll get lucky and somebody will see our stinker. Yeah. Some are like, oh, we can go to the movies. Yeah. Uh, so staying with the movies, there's apparently uh, John Cena of WWE fame, has been signed to play Duke Nukem. Oh, I heard that. In a Deadpool-esque live-action Duke Nukem movie. So here's the thing, though. He's been signed on the movie. Mm. There's no script for this movie yet. Yeah. This movie's just like, oh, here's here, John. You'll be, okay, I'll be... Without seeing a script, and there's no script that's still being thought about maybe or this will be a movie we'll probably never see i don't think it's a movie we need to see contract so even if the movie doesn't get made oh for him yeah like he's trying to move you know to to his wrestling career is winding star right he's got that movie coming out this weekend that blockers Mm -hmm. or that just come out last weekend yeah well you know this coming weekend with the what was it uh train wreck was that the yeah he was in train wreck yeah that was like he had, he's one of the kind of like the rock he had attempted acting like not to even the degree that the rock had sort of failed because they were well, he was basically a, direct to dvd action movie. the marine well, you should do like the rock does and appear on star trek first <laughs> or sell your soul to disney mm-hmm. yep so, well, he no, he sold his soul to Nickelodeon. He's gone the other. Because oh, yeah. The Rock has, uh, I guess, gotten. <laughs> had, uh, has the Disney corner. Has the Disney corner. So that's why he's in the new Ninja Turtles cartoon. That looks awful. Oh. I yeah. saw a trailer for it and I'm not convinced. How do you take a property about mutant Ninja Turtles? And ruin it as badly as they're going to with this new series. Yeah, Where the, I, like, okay, it's not. It's, okay, well, they're ninjas, but what if they're magic ninjas? Are they magic in this one? Yeah, maybe. It's uh, looking that way. They've got magical weapons. It's and Shredder like, and the Foot Clan are nowhere not, in sight. No, it's, it's like this some under, underground city under New York that's magical, blah, blah, blah. Part of the shame of it is that last series was just so good. It was. And now, yeah. that, now they're going to something so terrible. Well, yep. that was our first sidetrack. Yep. <laughs> but at least it, you know, it was, there was a tension. Yeah. It, and the, he, there was a connecting Cena thread is, of John Cena. What's his first next... I guess blockers and what Bumblebee would that be his next one? Probably, and that's not that's till the, next year, right? Yeah, I think yeah, that's probably the next one that uh, that I uh, 
I think I've heard of. I think I remember reading some quote or some comment by him the other day about how good this Bumblebee was going to be and how it was going to re, you know revitalize the franchise. He's also and, taking an, uh, another page from the Rock's book of don't shit talk your movie. Make exactly. sure it sounds amazing. Talk it up. Mm-hmm. Make everybody love make you. Fun, if it fails, make be, fun of it afterwards. Be good on yep. the set. Get re-signed. Yep. Uh, ooh. So one of my favorite writers, I, and I know you enjoy his writing, Dan Slott. Writing yeah, Amazing so Spider-Man. Very good writer. It's coming to the end on Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It's going to be doing Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be reintroducing the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. to the main Marvel comic book universe. I saw that. I'm not that's, a huge Fantastic Four guy, but that's a that's a good fit. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It'll be like I I've picked up a few Fantastic Four books here and there. I picked up that omnibus that one time, thinking it was a different Fantastic Four omnibus. You brought you bought the Fraction omnibus, and you mm. thought it was the uh, Hickman. Yeah. yeah, I was hoping which, it was the Hickman which story, was partially which, my fault. Which and it's still good. I just I haven't sat when down the Fantastic and read it Four yet, are written by a great writer. They're good. They click. Oh, I yeah. love the classic John Byrne run from the yep. 80s. There was a Mark Wade run that was really good. There was a book that was just called Four, where the uh, the Fantastic Four went bankrupt and had to leave the Baxter building. And yeah, that's uh, it was written by the guy who's now like the, the head of creative oh, stuff at oh, Archie, yeah, Robert. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's got two uh, last uh, names. Guerra. Yeah, he also created The Middleman. That's the same guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that run was great too. The Hickman run was interesting, so I'm interested to see what Slot can do with it because I love Slot's uh, She-Hulk. I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan. I haven't read a ton of his Spider-Man stuff, but I know it's been well received. So, oh, I've been reading his whole run on Spider-Man. Silver Surfer. And that, right? His Silver Surfer book was 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 fun to read. So I, I keep f- meaning to buy She-Hulk for Jen because um. I think Jen would actually really like that run. Sure, I'll read it. It's kind of <laughs> like super-powered Ally McBeal. I don't really like Allie McBeal. Yeah, but this is better. Okay. <laughs> it was pretty good. As long as it's better than the thing I don't like. <laughs> but yeah, so that'll make me... Uh, no, I'll pick it up. It's, it's being uh, drawn by uh, Sarah Pacelli. Yes. Oh, okay. That and it's coming great. out August yeah. August of this year is the, uh, I guess, the anticipated release. I like the uh, promo art. The, the image yeah, of the show they, where the, the them walking the, towards the, last the light, you know, walk, or walking towards the audience and mm. instead of away. And, uh, ooh, and in uh, CWTV news today, they oh. renewed a whole bunch of their shows. I just saw that, too. I was going to bring that up if you didn't. Oh, yeah, no, I saw that. Okay. <laughs> Before that, it's my, not a my, competition. My, my news page was pretty light today. Uh. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so Arrow, Supergirl, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Riverdale, and Black Lightning, Black Lightning, uh, and Supernatural for a fourteenth season yeah. have all been renewed. And Lord. also, um, Crazy Ex Girlfriend, which is a fun musical comedy. Oh, okay. I haven't watched that one. Take your oh, it's word very for it. funny. But uh, so so far. The 100 and iZombie have not had words on whether or not they're being renewed. But I guess in one of the, some of the stuff I was reading, I guess the way they schedule their channel, it's a Monday to Friday schedule. Yeah. And it's only that, what, 8, eight till 10 eight o'clock till 10. block? Yeah, so they only have 10 hours of programming. Starting this fall, they'll be going Sunday to Friday. Oh. So they'll be doing six nights. 
a week. So that's yeah. part of why they're renewing, I guess, so many of these shows that are established I kind of wondered if... It, I, I kind of thought Supernatural should be done, but I've been saying that for like three seasons. <laughs> well, Supernatural, what, it was originally planned for a five... Season run, yeah, four or five, uh, and that was it. And now they're on what, like 13? Four, 14. Yeah. 14? Well, they just got renewed for 14. Uh, yeah, the Which, only dramas that are longer running on TV right now, apparently, are, I was listening to a podcast about this today, was are uh, Grey's Anatomy and NCIS. <laughs> the NCIS has been on for forever, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's going to get to the point, though, where it'll be like NCIS, where like only one of the Winchesters will be the same guy. And then the the rest of the because what's his name, dude who played Crowley is leaving the show. Well, he already, he's already, already been left. he was killed off at the beginning yeah, of this season, like, end of last season. Oh, if well, I ever ever watch time. it again, we're yeah. like four seasons beyond. Yeah, yeah, well, tough luck. <laughs> no, we have to watch. I've never watched an I episode think we've of Supernatural up to the end of season nine. Mm. Well. You got to watch the Scooby Natural episode. Last week's episode was I the crossover was with Scooby Doo. Yeah, Definitely, uh, it's totally worth a watch. They have fun little gimmicky episodes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I did watch an episode where they went to see an elementary school musical about them. Yeah, that one was good (laughs) because it's based off of. There's a series of books about them that are kind of like Twilighty, semi-romantic. Yeah. YA novels. YA novels, yeah. and in that episode, the the one of the fans of the novels turned it into a high school musical, <laughs> which is hilarious if you think back. That okay, those novels that were written by a prophet that turned out to be okay. Spoiler: God. Oh. Have you not seen it that far enough? I don't no, think so. You guys saw I that season. That, Did we? Because yeah. we've had that discussion about don't that guy being God. Don't you remember in season six, episode 14? <laughs> no, it was, more like episode, it was more like season 11. Yeah, see, I've only watched up to season nine. No. Well, then how did I know that? I don't know. You read all sorts of stuff online. Well, then I said I did say spoiler. Yeah, so. but you give me six... Point six seconds. In the time we get there, you will have forgotten. So yeah. it doesn't matter if we ever get. It was a whole, but the best part, you know, there was a whole internet speculation for years that that guy was mm. really going to be turned out to be God, and oh no, no, and then yeah, that's good. Was. I'm glad he doesn't die. I liked him. Yeah, he's God. But that doesn't make any sense from when they uh, first uh, entryway. Uh, We're going to get into don't. a thing. Yeah, it's not the supernatural <laughs> podcast. Not this episode. Nope. Uh and then the last little bit of news was that it was a story we were talking about earlier where somebody you know, somebody put a microphone in John Krasinski's face and was talking to him about superhero um, movies uh, and what he wanted to be. And, and he's got a horror movie out right now. Uh, um, quiet Places. You know, the Quiet, quiet Space. Something, yeah, something like some that. Kind of, yeah. Actually, it sounds really cool. And he was in uh, that 13 Hours, yep. the Benghazi incident. That was a good one. Uh, Michael Bay movie, surprisingly. That, you know, hey, Michael have... Bay isn't destroying a franchise. Oh, no. He can make a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> he can still blow so, stuff up. What but, did Krasinski say when a microphone was uh, in his face? That he'd like to be Reed Richards. Oh. He's not a bad fit. No, he's not a bad fit. He's not a bad fit for Reed Richards. And then he, was, he had been up for Captain America back when they were originally casting Cap. He uh, was one of the many actors. Yeah, I could see that too. So, and then apparently his wife, Emily Blunt, had been up or was in talks to be Black Widow back in the day. Oh. So it would be interesting maybe now cast him as Reed Richards and her as Sue? That could be interesting, an yeah. actual married I, couple. And I think she would work. And she's in that movie that quite... Mary Poppins. Whatever the... You looked up the name of it right now, I'm assuming? Nope. 
Oh. Sorry, I thought you were playing with your phone to look up the thing we were talking about. Never mind. Uh, whatever that movie is that he's in right now, that Quiet Places or Quiet Spaces, or I don't know. she's in that with him. I, I heard that they're doing major reshoots on the other movie she's got coming out this year, Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, is she really? in that? Yeah, yeah. There's, she's Mary Poppins. Oh, I'm really? looking forward to that one. That looks yeah, good. Yeah, but I heard that they, they're doing a, some major rework on it. Well, the, That doesn't necessarily yeah, mean it's Rogue bad. One is a, a perfect example of everybody was up in arms over, the, oh, it's gonna, the reshoots are going to ruin They're redoing this, the whole movie. Like, yeah. Every movie has had reshoots. It's just now we hear about it. Yeah. Uh, that's very true. It's because we hear about everything. So one news story you didn't mention that I saw this week is that the Deadpool animated series has been canceled. Oh, yeah. There was the, test footage leaked from the animation studio. And Donald Glover responded with a, a script yeah. uh, for an, a, fi- a final episode that took shots at Marvel. and Yeah. Apparently, he said they wanted something different, but not too different. Uh, according to some reports, the straw that broke the camel's back was an episode that featured Taylor Swift. <laughs> Which, to me, like, even hearing about that, that fits with Deadpool's with Deadpool? universe. Yeah, and the one thing I read was that they were trying, they were kind of out Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty. That's what they wanted to do with Deadpool. So maybe it yeah. just went a little too far. A little too weird or a too too out there for yeah, people. Yeah, oh, and the animation is like once you start animating, though, then you're you're putting in money. So maybe yeah. they just thought that if if there was any question whether it was going to work, maybe it was time to stop before they yeah. they really yeah. started shelling out funds. I don't. I always thought it was kind of an odd fit to begin with for with FX? Donald Glover. Oh, no, Donald FX Glover. not so much, but with Donald Glover just. His humor and stuff like that, and uh, oh, I think his humor fits with. You think Deadpool. so? Oh yeah. yeah. And and Atlanta is doing really really well, so yeah. I don't th- I wouldn't worry. Well, about that's him why too that's much. why I think his tweet that he made was erased so quickly because he doesn't want to lose his good standing with FX. FX. But uh, all right, is that it. Uh, anybody else, else remember seeing anything interesting? Because I'm I'm done. No, I've been reading not... reviews of DC's. Uh, metal the the miniseries ended this week. Oh, did it? End last yeah, it week? ended last week, and uh, apparently, it's a whole new outlook for the DC universe. Yeah, until Doomsday Clock ends, and then it'll be a whole new outlook yeah. for the DC universe. But uh, the comic nerds on YouTube have, have been generally pretty happy with how Metal ended, and uh, all these new Justice League teams. And yeah, yeah. I'm not reading any of the books. The only one that I have any interest in is the Terrifics. The, Terrifics. Yeah, the only DC book I have been buying, which I totally forgot I was buying, was <laughs> Doomsday Clock. Yeah, and that comes out so irregularly. That yeah, like, that's why I had to check my checklist when issue four came out last week to be like, did I pick up issue three? I don't remember if I picked up issue three. Yeah, and for some and I even they... asked Jeremy at the store, and he's like, oh, no, you didn't buy it yet. And I'm like, I feel like I bought it. So I looked <laughs> on my checklist, and I had <sighs> For a storyline that they were hyping and have been hyping since the it, end of the New 52. After that first issue, the steam out of it just, it just evaporated. Yeah. It might be good. I hear I hear the story's decent, but it's just so slow to come out that people don't care. The covers are fantastic. Well, it's yeah. Gary I've Frank been buying the right? B covers, and they've been beautiful. Yeah, they've been yeah. great. Isn't Gary uh, Frank's the artist on it? Uh, he's the artist in uh, the no interiors. Idea. I'm not sure if he's doing the covers, too, or not. 
So, uh, review-wise, do we, of comics? do we start with the, the movies, or do we start I with the comics? I say we segue right into comics. Yeah, so right. to the comics, or mystery comics. So, for those of you who did not listen to the last episode, and shame on you, <laughs> um, we uh, purchased at Toronto Comic Con a pack of mystery comics. There was eight comics. Um, we each grabbed two without seeing what they were, and we're going to do quick reviews on them. Um, who wants to start? Anybody in particular want to go first? I can go. I'll I'll do. Okay, Kevin should we do one at a time and go around twice? Yeah, we can do that. That works. So let's start with I'm holding up the cover to Prowler number four from Eclipse Comics by Tim Truman, Timothy Truman, and John Casey. He's got a big gun. The third, yes. Both of which have become fairly well known names in the comic book community. Yes. So this book came out in 1987. Okay. Um, from the moment I started looking at it, I felt like it was trying really hard to be The Dark Knight Returns. Oh, really? Yeah, the art style, the the grim and gritty storytelling. Basically, the Prowler is an aging actor who used to go out and uh, sort of shadow-like take care of crime on the streets of Los Angeles. He's got a young uh, ward that he's trying to pass on all his secrets to. There is a guy who has a zombie henchman and uh, halfway through the story, the main story, all of a sudden we switch to a flashback where we learn the origin of the Prowler with a totally different art style and a totally different look to the uh, to yeah. the story. Um, I wasn't impressed all that much by it because it's, it's Screams mid eighties. It's just, it, it, like I say, after Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen came out, everybody thought that's what every comic had to be. Yeah, and that's what the Prowler feels like. Uh, it's a guy with a balaclava, a fedora, and a Tommy gun, and uh, he's fighting some zombies on the mean streets. With it's a kind of scratchy art style. Um, there were some interesting moments, like. When a guy's head gets shot off and then you realize that it's not really his head, it's an entire monster creature uh, with tentacles. But other than that, uh, it didn't do much to um, intrigue or impress me or make me want to read more of it. Easy costume to cosplay, though. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a, a, a trench coat, a, a scarf, a fedora, and a balaclava. Actually, it's a toque with a pom-pom that he cut eye holes and mouth hole into and pulls it way down over his head. Oh, Does he still have the, the pom-pom? Yeah, you can't see the pom-pom because it's under his fedora. Yeah. Why didn't he cut the pom-pom off? Well, I don't know. Because that have... would ruin the structural integrity of the toque. No, it yep. doesn't. Yep. So, yes, that... Maybe it does for his. In a, in a you don't know. ...is the Prowler. <laughs> He's a hard-boiled, chain-smoking uh, fighter of crime and evil. In Los Angeles in the 19... Well, this is set in the 1950s. He was most active in the 1930s. But uh, there aren't that many issues of the Prowler out there. I think it ran to issue seven, and this is issue four. <laughs> All righty. Ryan, what was your first book? Uh, my first book was The Amazing Spider-Man, issue 350. Giant-sized 350th issue. Okay, who's uh, who's writing it? Who's drawing uh, it? It's Eric written Larson. by David Micheline. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, penciler was uh, Eric Larson. So this is you know it's right in the middle of that '90s style Spider-Man where it's you know 
totally it's post McFarlane, so it's got that McFarlane influence. Yep. This book came out when it was a sort of nineties style, yeah, nineteen ninety one. So right in the middle of the nineties, or you know, the beginning of the nineties, whatever you want to count. Uh it's a standalone issue, which was nice to read because I didn't have to know anything going you know what was going on before or after or everything was done in done in one. He Spider Man is chasing down uh the black fox. Which is uh, who's a prowl? He's a, a burglar. He's uh, a okay. black cat's dad. I was wondering about that. I didn't get a chance to look that up, but okay. So he had stolen a diamond of some sort, and Spider Man's chasing him, and all of a sudden, Doctor Doom shows up because he's chasing him because the Black Fox had stolen an emerald from a museum that turned out to be one that was part of a collection that Doom had loaned to the museum to make goodwill for his people, and this. Our, you know, Elmerald was not supposed to be part of the collection on display, but somebody screwed up and put it on display, and it was his mother's emerald, and it was a super powerful magical artifact. Ooh. Ooh. That was, you know, that the Black Fox stole, so now Doom was going to kill the Black Fox until he, to get it back. So Spider-Man got Doom in the middle of it. Doom has absolute love for his mom. Yeah, that's the one thing you don't mess with Doom, is anything to do with his mother. Yep. So Doom goes on to kick Spider-Man's butt all over the place in this factory, and until Spider-Man kind of was like makes a deal with him, say, "Hey, I'll uh, I'll get this this um, this thing back for you, you know, just uh, stop beating me up." <laughs> Pretty much, goes home to his wife, Mary Jane. Oh, but it was back in the days when he was married. Yep. Still, yep. Which so that's all been changed. So this would have been just after they didn't get married, but were still living together. And then, because uh, that's how they did that whole one more day. They just said, well, let's not get married and just live together instead. God, this is way before that. No, I know, but that's what that ch- that, huh. that change in continuity oh. backtrack changed because they didn't get married. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so the, so the story goes on. He's suffering from post-concussion syndrome and hallucinates Uncle Ben. So he has a whole conversation with Uncle Ben about... Uh, being guilt, feeling guilty over Uncle Ben and the the the, the bur- you know, the guy, the burglar that beat him up, that killed Uncle Ben, and mm. that's maybe why he goes easy on the black fox all the time, and because he's an old guy and he feels bad, you know, about Uncle Ben, blah blah blah. So then he decides in the end he's not going to go easy on the black fox and turns him into the authorities this time, and Doctor Doom gets his artifact back after they deal with some other mystical people that had bought the gem from the fence that the black fox had sold it to and it was like it was yeah it was just another one of those spider-man hallucinates uncle ben stories and it was done in one so it was, it was, it was fine it was it was an issue of spider-man it was really a for being a 350th you know special really number it was a filler issue huh. really it looks like it was the last issue larson was penciling yeah i was just reading that and uh, at the at the back there's a bunch of little uh, pinups they said, you know, one page spreads, but it's, it's drawn by him in somebody else's kind of, I don't know if it's in his style or it's supposed to be in their, in like somebody else's style, but it's like, you know, drawn by Larson, inked by John Romita. Yeah. And then there's one that was kind of cool where it's a split screen or a split page and it's like half it was drawn by McFarlane and the other half by Larson and it mm-hmm. like pretty much looks the same. Um, the one I did like too. There's a page if you want to go back with a bunch of like D-list 
characters that oh, showed yes, up in the run. Spidey's Spidey's team ups. Team ups of antiheroes. Uh, the big one. This one's for uh, our other friend Ed. That might I don't probably doesn't listen to this, but he's a big fan of Cardiac, and so the Cardiac sound went in there. So I saw that, and that made me think of him. So, hmm. uh, yeah, for being part of the mystery pack, it's not a bad issue. Yeah, it's a one and done story. It's a one and done story. There's uh, some of the artwork. I'm not, you know, it's, it just doesn't do it for me. Like the way Mary Jane's drawn quite often. It's like. Yeah, it's that early '90s, late '80s female. It's like they, you know, huge hair, huge, huge hairs, boobs. big boobs, unreal, you know, giant Realistic lips, waist. Apparently, waist this was the wasted spine. This that was the, the boobs this was hair. this was the period where Mary Jane was a soap opera star, oh, or at least was okay. a, yeah, yeah. A, an extra on a soap opera. And now she runs Stark Industries. And now Does she's, she, yep, yep. good she's, for her. Yep. she went from being a fashion model to a TV movie star to. Uh, she was running her own nightclub to running Stark Industries. She's really kind of like Barbie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like she's Barbie had sp- has had so many good and yeah. different occupations she's over the years. She's had spider powers over the years yeah. off and on. It's like, make her an astronaut, and yeah, she's Barbie. <laughs> Who knows? Or, or Homer Simpson. <laughs> or Homer Simpson. Yeah, uh, Homer Simpson's another good example, yeah. In Rod We Trust. <laughs> Jen. Oh, boy. So... Which one are you going with first? I'm going to start with the second life of Dr. Mirage. Um, And it was writer and editor-in-chief Bob Layton, and penciler was Bernard Chang. Both of which, uh, well, uh, Bob Layton, interestingly enough, Bob Layton used to work with the guy who wrote uh, Ryan's Spider-Man comic. He did, the two of them did a very uh, important run on Iron Man. Leighton wrote the Avengers for quite a while too. I think, yeah, and good writer. He and but he was the the head of that whole Valiant era that ended up getting curtailed. Jen has notes, so I just uh, wrote up a summary on on an emailed it to myself because it was easier than trying to remember this and reading it for a third time. <laughs> it was pretty forgettable. <laughs> So anyway, I'm just going to read my summary. Okay. <clears throat> so parapsychologist Wen Mirage and his wife, Carmen, are investigating two corpses in the morgue that the morgue has had for a year. I have no idea why it took the morgue a year to call them. <laughs> and I have no idea why they would call parapsychologists, since parapsychologists usually deal with things like telepathy, precognition, reincarnation. I.e. the Ghostbusters. Yes, they actually call them the Ghostbusters. Anyway, they don't deal with corpses. So anyway, Dr. Mirage and his wife take the corpses back to their lab because Dr. Mirage needs a tissue sample. I don't know why. Uh, He remarks not for the first time that he hates gooey stuff. And I did a count. He actually says three times in this thing specifically that he hates gooey stuff. His name is actually... Mirage, just like yes. Doctor Strange? Yes. Okay. Uh, and it's not like a weird spelling that get you get phonetically Mirage out of? like. No, no. That's the bad guy. <laughs> so the bad guy is Master Dark. D-A-R-Q-U-E. Okay. Who was the big bad. He was a big Valiant bad at the Valiant Dark A. Yeah. And his sister, <laughs> Sandria. Dark? I guess. So he's a necromancer, and I think she's a ghost. Did you say her name was Sangria? Sangria. Oh, sorry. Oh, so I could she's, use some Sangria. She's, <laughs> she's dressed all in white. 
She's wearing a see-through dress that basically shows oh. off her belly button, but no nipples. So I'm like, this must is be a ghost. Weird. Anyway, well, this is she has a belly button. Later on, she's clone. transparent and floating. It's it's odd. Anyway, so Dark is looking for a dead geomancer because dead geomancer still has magical powers apparently. So back at the lab, Doctor Mirage is doing tests on his dead bodies that nobody wanted. A beam of energy goes from the lab to the naked, meditating Dark, who then animates the corpses and makes them attack Dr. Mirage. And his wife saves the day. And here's the other thing. Dr. Mirage calls his wife Crazy Legs as a pet name, which makes me wonder whether or not the writer knows what a pet name actually is. Like, really, if you were, like, if, if somebody's head was like, hey, Crazy Legs, I'd be like, that's a terrible nickname. So maybe, anyway. maybe she's got one of those restless leg syndromes. It's just hard to, <laughs> hard to illustrate, so that's why she's called crazy legs. I think legs. it's because she's 99% leg. Oh. Um, so then they use science to stop the corpses, and they take a bath together in a gigantic bathtub. Ooh. Uh, and then they decide to go and confront Dark, because oh. that's always a good idea. So instead, they meet Ghost Sister, who's now also transparent and flying, and she sends them to Tibet. And Carmen even says, why are we going to Tibet? And he's like, I gotta know. So in Tibet, Dark is already there. He kills some monks to get at the dead geomancer, while Mirage and Carmen climb a mountain wearing the most 80 ski outfits possible and ski boots. Nice. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever downhill skied before. They are not comfortable to walk in, let alone climb a mountain. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so then like they find Dark, who is naked and covered in very colorful doodles. It looks like some like preschool kids went at him with a Sharpie. And Dark uses his magic on Mirage and blips him out of existence. But then Mirage uses the power of his love for Carmen to erupt out of Dark's chest and possibly killing him, question mark. But I'm not betting on it since he's a villain and a necromancer. So really. But now, Gasp, Mirage is, I wrote Gasp, is no longer (laughs) solid and forever trapped in his awful 80s ski suit, which happens to be skin skin tight. So it'll also work as a superhero suit at the end. Yeah. (laughs) Dark always had a cool design when he was drawn by Barry Windsor Smith. Yeah. Because that's I'm pretty sure that's who did the design work on him originally. So now nobody else in the history of time ever needs to read that terrible thing again. Just listen to my little recap there. So well, it wasn't awful, was it? It was it? pretty it was damn ridiculous. Yeah. And it was boring. It's 90s. Yeah. It's, it was ni- set in 1993. There's no foreshadowing. I mean, for me, reading that, having no understanding of Doc Mirage, I'm like, okay, so the bad guy's dead, and he's now a ghost, but there's nothing really that makes me want to pick up another issue. Doc Mirage would, part of, would Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong here, would be part of kind of the second wave second of Valiant wave of books, Valiant. right? Like, we don't even know what his powers are, except for that he's invisible and can't hold his wife anymore, who he calls Crazy Legs, so I don't blame her. <laughs> Although, but they're so in love. Uh, they take baths together. Yeah. That was... Bernard Chang uh, became a better artist. Uh, this isn't great yeah. art. And Bob Layton's I mean, a good writer. Can I see that bathtub panel for a second? Yeah. Valiant. With her crazy legs. As my, I was, my recap of Solar Man is pretty much the same thing. I'm just wondering where the uh, what kind of bathtub it is. That it's in. huge and, and it's, has ferns behind and it. And I don't know where the tap is because one of them, from the looks of this drawing, I can't see the, the faucet. But one of them's getting the faucet in the back. And they have Is there a poster bubbles. in the middle of that? Yeah, there's a poster, a poster in, in the middle. middle. Oh, it's a big spread. If yeah. anybody would like that the... That gives away uh, the end of it. If no, anybody it's the same would, as the cover. 
If anybody would like the the Doctor Mirage poster that's in the middle of this book, let us know on our Facebook. page. No, no, I think the no? I think no, these comics are going to be given away to unsuspecting people at panels that we do. The, the poster is almost exactly the same as the cover, except it doesn't have Carmen on it, who appears to be the one who can kick ass. She can. She. I really liked Carmen in this. She should have been the one who got superpowers at the end. Well, she can still touch stuff. Does anything? Which kind of interestingly to note, I don't think Valiant really had any female superhero characters. Doctor Mirage is all like, "Ew, I don't um, like gooey stuff." Carmen, do it for me. I'm intangible. Yeah, but was there a solo book? There was. There was no solo book, and I still don't. I don't think even today there's a a solo book. No, but there. To be fair, their books are very, very limited as well. I read Harbinger back in the day, and. I would glance through Magnus Robot Fighter because that was a hot book at the time. I always thought uh, Exile Man War was a cool idea. Like the, just the oh, yeah, premise the of it. Barbarian Visigoth gets Iron Man armor. Iron Man armor. Yeah. So I guess it's my turn. Yes. Uh, I'll go with the, the the one that didn't do anything for me. <laughs> um Superman versus ba- or Superman Batman issue fourteen. Oh, wait. Sorry, I need to interrupt. After no. further examination of this, the, the the bathtub panels, I have found the faucet. Uh, it it's is in the ferns. <laughs> it's in the ferns on the side of the tub. So neither one of them are getting a faucet in the back. Sorry, please no continue. <laughs> so um, this was part of the run that Jeff Loeb did. Uh, Carlos uh, Pacheco was the artist. Um, it's the first part of a storyline. Uh, this one's uh, Pretenders to the Throne. What issue number is this one again? Issue 14. Oh, I feel like that, from that run, um, was, was... Who wrote that one? Jeff Loeb. Oh, did Loeb? Oh, so Loeb yeah, was Loeb still wrote, writing wrote, okay. Yeah, Loeb wrote from 1 to, like, I want to say 20-something. Okay. He was that one might have been one of the first ones after Turner, then, was on the art. Yes. The art, it, like, there's nothing wrong with this book. Um, <laughs> there's nothing... No, there's for nothing the first wrong. part of there's the story for the first part of the storyline, it didn't really grab me that much. Like if Ryan had the trade of it, I, I might borrow it off of him. But on yeah. a whole, it's so. Um, well, I can sum this up real quick. Uh, basically, uh, mysterious figures pull Batman and Superman out of the life-changing events that or that shaped them. So um, Superman being found by the Kents and uh, Batman's parents being shot to death in front of them. And basically these beings help guide them to be the overall dictators of, uh, by the looks of it, the world. Ah. So they're ruling with an iron fist, getting rid of all the other costume superheroes, as usually happens whenever Superman and Batman rule the world. Uh-huh. And <laughs> because it happens so often, the the yep. twist <laughs> at the the twist at the end of the book is it's it, all a dream. It no, it turns out that the people who pulled them out seem to be evil versions of Legion uh, Legion of uh, Oh, is it the Legion superheroes? of Supervillains? Maybe. Um, Lightning Lord. Uh, Saturn uh, Queen. Saturn Queen and Cosmic King. Okay, so these are pre-existing characters? Yes, they are. Okay, so okay, you know who they are. I know who they are. So if you had gotten this book, you probably would have been much more interested (laughs) in how it went. Um, Then as an epilogue, uh, a 
version of Wonder Woman has shown up at in Washington, D.C., found a homeless guy, used her lasso of truth on him, and it turns out the homeless guy is the DC old-school superhero character of Uncle Sam. <laughs> like, it's it, there's nothing wrong with this book. Yeah. The art's fine. The the writing is is okay. Lope, for me, tends to... It's an up and down. He's either... Well, I shouldn't say he's either really good or really bad. He's good, mediocre, bad. Like this, right. this is not Ultimate Three terrible, but it is not Long Halloween good. Right. It's, but it, like, if somebody I knew had the trade, I might read the rest of it. And now that you mentioned those are established characters, maybe more. But as a standalone issue, it just didn't really do anything for me. The one thing that uh, of note in the extra serves stuff in it because. These comics are like little time capsules in some ways. Oh, yeah. Is there is uh, a one sheet um, memoriam page to Christopher Reeve in it. Because uh. I guess he had died when the, the book was in production. So it's just a, a thing of a so cape. What's the with, date on it? Uh, let me see if I can find it. It should be on the front, shouldn't it? Uh, the date on the comic is January 2005. But sometimes these things get come out months before. Yeah, they come yeah. out months after the actual event did. I'm trying to find it because it was the one. Th- ah, there it is. So it's there. I, I'm imagining this ran in like all their books that came out that month, or, probably. And like, yeah, because it has Christopher Reeve 52 to 2004, and just the Superman costume on a chair. And he gave new meaning to be to being a Superman, which is very true. Yeah. And it was a nice, a nice little thing to see in it. Um, but yeah, that was it. Let's go with your second book, Kevin. Okay, so my book number two is Black Hawk, Iron Dreams and Bloody Murder, Book Three, Blackout by Howard Chaikin. And he did everything on this book, right? Well, uh, except well, for maybe the lettering. It also it says with Steve Olaf and Ken Brusenak. So, so I don't know what they did on this. Uh, book. Olaf would be colors. Uh, so I, having not read issues one or two, had mm-hmm. no idea what was going on at the beginning of this story. Yep. It's set in World War II. There are Germans. There are Russians. There is, uh, Lady Blackhawk, who's not really a part of the team the rest of the t- blackhawk team isn't even around when i read a blackhawk book i'm expecting like air battles and that kind of yeah. stuff we this we should is, point out okay so blackhawk was a legacy dc character yeah. it was published so, during their war back years in the world, basically. world war 2 and I think he it was tends, a character they acquired somewhere. Yeah, and he tends to get republished every once in a while to make sure they can keep up those yeah. copyrights. So the character's name is Janos Prohaska. He was the leader of the Black Hawk Squadron, yep. which was a team of elite fighter pilots in World War II. Um, there are some... Again, this suffers from wannabe Watchmen syndrome a little bit. There are some pages where there's obviously, like, Watchmen was all a nine-panel grid. Yeah. I don't know if that's a Chaikin thing. Well, there's this page that just shows that time is passing by having 12 tiny pictures of Um, At the time (laughs) that Chaikin was doing that sort of stuff on American Flag. So it's... it is of its time. I wouldn't say it's directly related to Watchmen, per se. It might be, but it, not necessarily. So, yeah, so this story involves a, uh, a, a plot 
to explode a nuclear bomb in New York City when everybody else thinks that the, they intercepted a message that a bomb was going to go off in Paris, but it's really happening in New York. Um, there's a, There are some little tricks in it that I think they thought were clever, but just make it hard to read. Like the fact that all the German characters, their dialogue is translated into English, but it's written in a fancy gothic cal- calligraphic script that's oh, hard to read. Yeah. yeah, they do that a lot, but they either put it in like uh, um, pointed parentheses. What's even worse is the Russian characters' dialogue is written with pseudo Cyrillic letters. Oh, uh, so it was probably like seemed like a good idea at the yeah, time. Yeah, so all the E's are backwards and all of the N's are backwards and letters don't quite look right, but if you look really closely at it, it's English. Are they also all the ones that are pink? The uh, pink yes, word bubbles are just... the Germans are blue and the Russians are pink. See, that would just make me skip all of that dialogue. Ugh. If it's going to give me a headache to read yeah, it, I'm not going to read it. Yeah, and then there's a plot about a... Uh, uh, there's a senator who's and, and a movie star who's dying, and the senator's actually working for the Russians or the Nazis. And uh, uh, I, I, I wonder if I had read the first two issues if I would feel better about this. Yeah. But it felt, for the finale of a three-issue prestige format miniseries, it felt like nothing was going on. There's a lot of going to parties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I wanted to see some action. Yeah, I was going to say for you would like you might not be able to follow it, but you would expect like the 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 air battles and explosions and like, somebody and, punching and a Nazi in the face and, or something. Yeah. Uh, Blackhawk never appears in an airplane in this story. Really? No. Jeez. Nope. Kind of wish we had uh, we had done this before because uh, Howard Chaykin was at Toronto Comic-Con. He does commandeer a police horse. (laughs) It would have been been kind of uh, interesting to ask him. So what was the thought behind putting, like, one of DC's famous aviator characters and in the climactic issue not put him in a plane? Lady Blackhawk flies an aerogyro at one point, and then they... uh, then they explode the nuclear bomb outside of New York, and everybody's saved. Yay! Uh, yeah, and that was it. Uh, I didn't love it. And I, that was the one of the two that I was expecting to enjoy more. Yeah. I've read American Flag and some other stuff. American Flag's great. Shaken is written. And I know he's hard-boiled. There was what felt like to me unnecessary um, uh, vulgar language in it. Mm. Uh, it didn't need to be there. Uh, That's so. how you speak in war, I guess. <laughs> uh, but I am kind of impressed that a prestige format book only cost four dollars in nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah, that'd be a ten-dollar book now. Yeah. So, so uh, that's Blackhawk uh, issue three. Nice cover, though. Yeah, yeah, mm. it is. Uh, I just oh because because Blackhawk's Polish. Somebody accused him of being a communist, and yeah, was, yeah. Ryan, that's me. Uh, so my second book was issue two of six of the Ran Thanagar War. Ooh, as uh, four months until Infinite Crisis lead up. That's when DC could get their events out on a timely basis. Yeah, I really uh, enjoyed. I wouldn't bet on that. Well, There's no. a lot of the, the the 
ancillary books to that that probably they didn't did three come out. weekly series in a row yeah. in the mid two thousands. Yeah. Uh so being issue two, I obviously missed issue one. Yeah. So I kinda of jumping into this midstream here. It's like, well it looks like something happened to Thanagar that's left it decimated. And so they're going what's left of their empire has decided to uh, go and attack Ran to make it their new home world. Which is the, the planet from uh, Adam, Adam Strange. Adam Strange's people. So, sorry, Thanagar is the home of, well, depending on which continuity, in this continuity, is where, like, the Hawks come from. Yeah. And their people. So, Hawk Girl and Hawk Man. Even I knew that. And Metal, all that kind of stuff. That's from Thanagar. Adam Strange and Zeta Beams and stuff, the, those people, that's... Ran so they're like high technology, sciencey stuff, and Thanagar is more of your Egyptian gods and mace, mace using like metal maces at type. that time. Yeah, that's, that's one of those universes or planets that like depending on which continuity, yeah, you know, well, changes so much. So as part of this, I guess with this whole death and destruction on Thanagar, it has awoken the god of death and destruction. Uh, for, you know, of, that they worship. Uh, what was his name? I wrote it down, or did I? Uh, apparently, I didn't write it down. But uh, so by the end of the issue, it this thing has come, has risen, and now it wants to devour the souls of first Ran and then the universe. Ooh. Um, we get brief appearances by uh, Hawkman, Hawkgirl, uh, Adam Strange. Kyle Rayner, who at first I thought was the way it was drawn, I thought it was Hal Jordan, just the the first angle, and then it wasn't until after, and I got a good look at his uniform, I was like, oh no, that's Kyle. Mm. And then he also says, I'm Kyle. So I'm like, oh wait. <laughs> that's usually a pretty big clue. It's a big giveaway. It might be an interesting series. I don't see how it connects to Infi- uh, the Infinity Crisis. Or... They had a lot of those going on at the time where yeah. it's like, how does this? What? Uh, whatever. <laughs> oh, it must have happened because Superboy Prime punched the world, the, 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 the edges universe. of the universe and broke it, and that's why... <laughs> Because, you know, that's what happens. I really wish I had made a copy of... Uh, uh, Pete gave me a copy of the... To listen to of Infinite Crisis, the audio play book Ooh. version. It was ridiculously fun. Nice. <laughs> but I, I gave it back to him. I wish I had made a copy of uh, it, though. It looks like every cosmic character in the DC Universe from 2005 is in this. The Omega Man. Well, yeah, there's references to all kinds of people. That's what I'm like. There's a lot of brief appearances of people the in this issue. The Starman, the uh, Vril Dox's Legion, Captain Comet. Now, this Starman, is he He must be, well, that you know, that version, is, is he from Ran? Because it seems, no. here they're calling him, he's called. He's being referred to as a he prince. Prince Gavin of... Throne World, which is a different planet. Okay, well, so then the the um, Thanagarians are attacking Throne World as well. They're just going out and attacking all kinds of people now, because, you know, that's what happens when your home world gets destroyed. You go and destroy everybody else's home world. Yeah. So they feel as bad as you do. So it's, a, it's Dave Gibbons writing it, uh-huh. who is much more well-known for being an artist than a writer. He's and and I, Ivan Rice is drawing it. Ivan Rice is always good, though. Yeah, which is probably why I thought the first time I saw Kyle, why I thought it was Hal. Yeah. 
It gets uh, yeah, it's a few right. panels and pages in there. Um, this one? Yeah, I think it was that one. Like oh. Just that face. Yeah, he sort of looks like It looked very howlish. The costume's not howl. No, yeah. but when I saw the, the, the face, the, the, this grimace, like, urgh, face. Is that when he's more Ion than he is Green Lantern? No, uh, he's not even uh, Ion uh, yet. He's still the Green Lantern. He's just Isn't this, a Green Lantern. Does I think this, this predate Green Lantern Rebirth? I'm going to say yes. Because I don't think uh, Hal was around for Infinite Crisis. I can't remember. So, did it make you interested in the rest of it at all? It was kind of like, meh. Yeah, no. It's There's a reason I didn't buy this miniseries when it first came out. And I wasn't interested in it. And it's like, yeah, if I had the other ones to read, I'd read them. It'd probably be interesting. But it's I'm not running out to, to pick them up. Starfire Sister Commander. Yeah, she's in there too. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, wait, is that who this is? Okay, sure, cool. Hawk Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's two Hawk Girls then. If that's Hawk Girl, then who's. So this that? is the Thanagarian Hawk Girl, and this is the JSA Hawk Girl. Okay. So there's because two different comics. Hawk Girls. Yeah. Oh, Hawkman's <laughs> continuity is a mess. So a screwed mess. up. And every time they try to fix it, they just make it worse. He's yep. like he's been everything from like you know Egyptian god stuff to resurrection like, like multi-life. He was an alien police officer in Hawkworld, which is one of those series that I love. That was where things started to go off the rails because there was the Golden Age Hawkman, which yeah. was the Egyptian stuff, and then the Silver Age Hawkman, and he was from the planet Thanagar. And after the crisis. The the original Silver Age Hawkman was still around, and then Hawkworld came out, and people loved the Hawkworld miniseries, so they decided to make that continuity. Yeah, when, if they had left it alone and not made just that as continuity, a standalone, as a cool standalone, book, cool three issue Hawkworld miniseries, yep. it would have been fine, and we could have kept going with with this with the Hawks that we'd had since the sixties. And they didn't. And yeah. then it messed up Hawkman continuity. And they're still fixing Hawkman continuity. <laughs> and it's been 40 years almost. <laughs> so now with Jen, the, the, which, uh, the, with the book that I think might be the highlight of, uh, of the reviews <laughs> due to it's interesting. Oh, that totally depends on your definition of a highlight. <laughs> I think maybe our listening to you talk might be the highlight. Let me start by saying the second like of Dr. Mirage was better. Oh. (laughs) So, Solar Man, written by Stan Lee. Penciler Jim Mooney. Oh, it's actually written by Stan. Yep. January 1989. Well, that stands for quality, doesn't it? What, Stan? (laughs) 1989? He's a great... Was he on cocaine or something? Probably. Yeah. No, he probably Seriously. it's the Marvel method. He wrote out a plot and then this artist did the rest and he filled in the dialogue afterwards. Well, the word plots. Is <laughs> <laughs> so, he wrote an outline? <laughs> he wrote something he wrote Solar Man on a cocktail napkin? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, before Okay, so Kevin explained to us the history of this character last episode. Yeah. This was the uh, to be a tie-in with a TV show. Yeah, it was it was part of the Marvel Action Universe TV package and it didn't get picked up for series. Oh god, I can't imagine why. 
So anyway, go ahead, Jen. <laughs> so a I did the there. same kind of summary. I typed it up like that I did with Dr. Mirage. But I read Dr. Mirage twice. So I read it the first time while I was waiting for water to boil. And then I read it the second time and wrote up the summary. This one, I wrote up the summary while I was reading it. Uh-huh. So that might make it a little weird. So anyway, here's my summary. So Gormaga Crawl wants to rule the universe. As you do. <laughs> I just love the way you looked when you said Gormaga Crawl. So he That's gets... what we're naming our first born. <laughs> Gormaga Crawl Chittenden. <laughs> It works for both a boy or a girl. Gormy for short. <laughs> Gormaga, get off of that fridge. I will rule the world. Well, How first dare you, you tell me to get off the fridge? First, you have to sit in the corner and think about what you've done. Okay, I only Never. Read, I only read one sentence of my summary. Okay, continue. All levelators going to have fun with that oh. exchange. All right. So he gets power by sucking energy out of the sun or various suns using the solar ray, which was not originally designed for that purpose, according to the inventor. So my question was, is destroying suns a side effect to whatever the original purpose of this ray was? Because it doesn't actually say what the original purpose was. Anyway, so the guy who made the ray is a blue guy named Dr. Shahan. S-H-A-Dash... H-A-N. Sean. Dr. Sean. Dr. Sean. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call him now. Dr. Sean. Dr. Sean. <laughs> but he's blue. So there's also a blue chick who I'm not sure why she's there. Her name is Altera, and she has a robot named Beepy. <laughs> Spell that out first so people get it. B-E-E-P-I-E. Guess why she named it that? Because it goes beep. <laughs> she's a bright character. Isn't oh, she? my God. Oh. I, I, I took pictures of my favorite uh, parts of this, and I'm going to put them on Instagram. Oh, they're lovely. Siosho doesn't have much of a personality, as far as I can tell. Anyway, Sean, <laughs> Dr. Sean escapes the spaceship in an escape jet because Crawl was using his solar ray badly, I guess. Then Crawl shoots him and blows him up. And Artera cries to Beepy in a panel that made me laugh out loud. That's one of the pictures I took. Uh, so... But Sean also took Crawl's circlet of power, which I hope is a pretty tiara, but it wasn't. I was disappointed. So the bad guys head to Earth, where they think the escape jet crashed. Meanwhile, on Earth, a guy named Ben, who wants to be an artist for Marvel, actually says that in there. Oh, God. Is fooling- well, it makes sense then on the gratuitous product placement. He's got his own uh, Spider-Man statue and Hulk posters in his bedroom. <laughs> With his exercise equipment. Yeah, because I'm getting to that part. So he's fooling his dad into thinking he likes exercise because his dad wants him to make, quote unquote, the team, (laughs) but never says what sport that is. It's probably golf. (laughs) Ben sees the spaceship crash and runs to the beach in time for Sean to give him the circlet of power, which is a bracelet, not a pretty tiara. And then Sean dies and disappears, but not for long. Ben goes back to his house and Sean reappears as a ghost and tells Ben all about Crawl and exposing the circlet bracelet to the sun will cause Solar Man to appear. Yes. And then he disappears for good. The next morning, Ben is... It, did Sean... I mean, did Ben just happen to be in the right place at the right time? It well, was, he, he saw the, the ship crash into the ocean and there's actually a really good panel there where Sean is like, ugh, I'm dying. And all the people are like, get that bum off the beach. 
And then he gets the, basically Ben's the only one who gave the dying alien the time of day, so he gets the powers of Solar Man. So Stan Lee ripping off a little bit of Green Lantern. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Anyway, you guys can just dissect it later. So the next morning, Ben is riding down the street, totally exposing the circlet to the sun. On his awesome scooter. On his awesome scooter. When two robots try to get the circlet from him, it conveniently gets cloudy for a minute before the sun hits the circlet and turns him into Solar Man. And I really don't have words to describe his superhero form. I love how he goes, I'm getting bigger, stronger. I've turned into Solar Man. I think he looks like... I like how he knows his name. I I think he looks like a Thundercat. Well, he was told he would get the power of Solar Man. No, he was told that Solar Man will appear. Oh. Oh, I'm Solar Man. He's got totally 80s rocker hair. The hair is amazing. So then Ben immediately, ben immediately starts playing around with his powers, as anyone would do, and then suddenly remembers that there's robots chasing him. I don't know where the robots went for that time. Well, he was hiding under the, under the dock, so they lost, he, they lost him. <laughs> he lost them, and then they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to shoot you in the back. <laughs> so then he smashes the robots and figures out how to turn off the circlet by, I guess, pushing the off button, and immediately tells the first two people he sees that he's a superhero now. They don't well, believe they him. were cute girls, yeah. so. So then the robots pull themselves back together again, drag him to a garage where their spaceship was hiding, and he is brought up into the spaceship and brought before Crawl, who is saved, then, but then he gets saved by Altera, who gets shot in the ankle and dies. <sighs> Beefy, the, I, I don't know why her vital organs are in her ankle, but basically she gets shot, like, look. Yeah, no, see, she gets... Bang on, shot in the ankle. Wait, wait, no, she got shot in the Achilles heel. Wah, wah. <laughs> Anyway, BP the robot saves the day by opening a vent into space to let the sunlight in, question mark. And then he Ben opened trans- a window. Yeah, there is It's not space. a vent, it's a window. You can have windows in space. Yeah, but it's just the- he didn't actually open the window, he just opened the blinds. The sun's rays are directional because they go through the atmosphere. Yeah, but the There sun- is no atmosphere in space. But the sun opening the window shouldn't work. Well, the light the sun is radiating light, is it not, in space, in all directions? Yeah, but that doesn't mean everything around, like, from the sun to the planet is light. But everything from the sun to wherever you are is being lit. By invisible rays, it doesn't actually turn into sun rays until it goes through the atmosphere. Well, you don't know what kind of panes of glass they've got on their <laughs> spaceship. Wait, it gets better. If you open a... If you open a a blind on a spaceship that's not being lit by any other light, will it not light the inside with that outside light? I have no idea. I've never been into space. Well, there you go. Stop Stanley has. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> if you're not, if you're I'm, gonna... I'm enjoying this comic book. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's got robots that look like trash cans. <laughs> so anyway, uh, then Ben transforms into Solar Man, and proving he's just as clever as the blue chick, he also names the robot Beepy. Crawl decides to take matters into his own hands and fight Solar Man. The fight is long and full of really bad jokes. Solar Man tricks Crawl into punching through the wall of his spaceship and escapes into space. Good thing he knew he could survive in space, which I don't think he knew about before because this was his first time. I like his yoga kicks. Yeah. Not Uh, really. Then Solar Man uses the circlet to redirect the solar ray that he Crawl shot a while ago before it can hit the sun which makes me think that it's a very slow-moving ray of energy. So he redirects it so that it blows up the spaceship. But while the ray has been redirected and is now very slowly, I suppose, moving towards the spaceship, he flies into the spaceship and rescues the stupid robot. 
So then they go back to Earth, and Ben is now writing the comic of Solar Man and using BP to pick up chicks. As you do. And that's... And how many issues did we figure out it went for? Just two? Two. Thank God. So, um, my, uh, my second book is more interesting for stuff around it than the actual comic itself. Uh-oh. So uh, I, I got stuck with Wonder Man, issue 11. Um, this is from uh, 1992. And uh, to sum up the comic book, uh, Wonder Man is dating a woman that has a teenage child, by the looks of things. And that is interrupted by an attack by uh, Angkor. Yeah, just Angkor. A-N-G-K-O-R. Okay. Which is the name of our daughter. (laughs) (laughs) It's the name of a Cambodian temple, but whatever. Funny you should mention that, because he has been apparently uh, given uh, these powers of of this destruction uh, from Lord Shiva, because uh, he no longer has compassion from Buddha. And it's to make up for everything that... uh, the United States did to Vietnam and the killing fields and um, the writer, uh, Gerard Jones, who we will get into after we start talking about the comic, uh, basically kind of put all that area, like that South uh-huh. East area, Asian area, all into one melting pot oh. and blamed America for their issues. <laughs> and so Wonder Man fights them. Apparently Wonder Man's powers are in... Um, Flux due to a, an attack that had happened in a previous issue. So they go up where he's like supercharged and then sometimes they drop to where he's like normal human, I guess. Okay. And uh, Angkor gets uh, the better of him and they bring Wonder Man back to his uh, his apartment and then he uh, kind of explodes. Like, <laughs> like in the last panel is Wonder Man like oh, just yeah. like... Oh. I don't know how else you would explain Expending it. Expending energy. So the um, now here's the interesting part uh, of it. That let's go with the good. Uh, Marvel Comics at this time used to have bullpen bulletins in them, which is what, like an update on what's going on in the wacky world of the Marvel offices and stuff Whoa, like that. Look out. Um, they had just been visited at the time of this writing uh, by MTV. Who had gone around, and I've actually weirdly I've seen these clips. They're on YouTube. Um, they just go around the bullpen and talk to a couple writers and editors and stuff like that about right. what's going on. Um, whoever wrote the the bullpen the bullpen bulletin this month uh, mentions that like w- like jokingly mentions where will this lead? Club NFL Super Pro. <laughs> so interestingly, interesting that the. Ed brought that up last week or last episode, and it gets mentions in this. Or um, Yo Dark Hawk Raps was the other suggestion. <laughs> but so, like, there's a bunch of just like comic news. But here's the one that caught my eye was they were celebrating the 30th anniversary of Spider Man at the time. Okay. And this blurb at the end of it is. And I'm reading this word for word. Executives from Carlico Pictures were also present. That's the studio that's currently set to produce the Spider-Man live action movie picture. But sadly, Spidey director James Cameron was unable to attend. 
So that that places yeah. it in time for you right yeah. there. Um, now, now to uh, and uh, apparently in the next month they were going to have a countdown to Spider-Man the Motion Picture starting in the bulletin. Uh, how that countdown is still going. Yep, how wow. things did not happen the way that they thought. That book was from 1993. Uh, 91, 92, I think. We're close. Yeah, 92. 92. So Spider-Man the first movie didn't come out until like 2005. Yeah. Mm. And you can read. Uh, I don't think there's there was ever a full script for this Spider Man. There's so. a treatment because yeah. you can find that online. Um, it's a little weird. It's like Electro's in there, but he's not Electro. <laughs> like he's not called Electro, but he's electric powers and stuff. And well, you can't have electric. You can't play with electricity. Kids will electrocute themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, the artist was who's listed as guest artist is Mike Parabek, who I, I didn't recognize the name. I did a little look up. He, he did a JSA run in the nineties. No, he wouldn't probably wouldn't have made it that far. He is best known for he's the guy who followed up uh, Ty Templeton on Batman Adventures. Yeah, I think he did a Justice Society book too. Uh, I don't know because. The the thing about uh, poor Mike is he died in 1996. Yeah, yeah. he was aged 30, and that was uh, and the Batman Adventures was the last thing he worked on. He had like type one diabetes, which apparently he wasn't good at controlling, and that the led to his death. So clean in, on his art, he's not bad. You can see that there's definitely something there, and that's why he's on Wonder Man as opposed to Spider Man, right? Like yeah. this. Books like this back then, Marvel could afford to publish books where they could give an artist room to make mistakes and screw up. Solar Man's like that too, to a certain extent, I yeah. imagine. Except Stan Lee wrote it. Now, here is the terrible. When I looked at the credits last time, I thought the name of the writer, Gerard Jones, sounded familiar. That's because, unfortunately, Gerard Jones has been in the news since uh, early December for all the wrong reasons. Um, Gerard worked on a ton of stuff during the 90s. Uh, He worked on, I guess, um, the one that comes most to mind was uh, he worked on Green Lantern for a bit. But uh, what he's currently known for is in uh, December of 2016, he was arrested on child pornography charges. To which, uh, like, recently, he is in the news again because he pled guilty to said charges. um, Which include, like, uploading child pornography to YouTube, which apparently YouTube was unaware that it was there. Um and yeah, so not good. Nope. And I know, like, it was a case of after his uh, he was arrested. There's been some reprints of books where he was not the sole writer on, but some of his issues are in part of that run, and those issues were taken out, so he won't get royalties from them. That uh, it's a Green Lantern book in particular, I think. Hmm. I want to say he worked on uh, Emerald Twilight. No. It was one of the the Green Lantern storylines. Like, oh, I kind of recognize that one. But, yeah. So sometimes you you discover 
things when you go a little bit deeper in research that you didn't want to mm. find out. Yeah. Parabek did do a run of Justice Society of America 1992 written by oh, uh, okay. Len was. Oh, one. okay. I was thinking of the, the one that came after that. The, oh, the, the, the Robinson actually, uh, Goyer and, run. And James Jeff Johns. Yeah. So that's the mystery pack. They're they're over and done with. If you see us uh, doing a panel at a library convention, there's a good chance these are going to be part of the prize packs. You may just away. get one of these issues yourself. Yeah. So um, we we uh, interestingly we got some comments about doing this. So we will probably attempt this again later on. It's not going to be like an every episode thing, obviously. No, every every con. Yeah, probably every con that we see these mystery packs for sale at a reasonable price. I'm not going to spend. We it. paid. Ten, ten dollars for this, and we got approximately an hour of audio after yep. it. So that's a win. <laughs> but we come to the end of the episode, and as um, we, yeah, movie. Oh totally, crap, movies! <laughs> I was going to say we were starting to go. I thought oh, we were getting long, so but we many haven't even touched. That were ready to click off and then did not, or we're waiting. Oh, uh, Brent, you said you saw movies. We were waiting to hear you talk yeah, about okay, movies. So, um, we all uh, we got cultured. We all saw Ready Player One. Yes, we did. At uh, but we uh, there was also a little bit of a divergence. The week before that, uh, Ryan and I saw uh, a very Rim. cultural movie, Pacific, Pacific Rim, Rim Two, Uprising. and Jen and I saw a lowbrow little film, Benedict Cumberbatch's Hamlet. Mm-hmm. So uh, why don't you guys go first? Uh, well, everybody's seen Hamlet. Yeah, well, but, but talk about the per, that production. Of so, it, I guess. Uh, what we saw was the National Theater's uh, rebroadcast of Hamlet, uh, starring Benedict Cumberbatch uh, as the titular Danish prince. Um, it was set in a sort of nondescript modern-ish time, um, and I found the first act. It was so long. It was a three and a half hour production. It had yeah, a twenty it minute. Long. It had a twenty minute intermission in the middle of it, which was nice. Uh, it was one of Cineplex's events. Uh, it was gorgeous. It took a little time to get used to the language again and to get back into it. And they didn't do it in the right order. No, they did change the order of things. They yeah. opened with Hamlet yeah. brooding in his room, as opposed to the Watchmen on the castle oh. with the ghost. Which I was All watching right. it, and I'm like. I'm. This, this isn't how it's. I haven't read Hamlet in a I while. Am I, I missing was, something? I was the same way. I'm like, I thought there were ghosts at the beginning yeah. of this play, uh, but we got there eventually. They put that in later. Um, I I liked it. Um, I found the first act was the first act was much longer, and I did not off a little bit occasionally <laughs> but the second half uh when the battles were happening and hamlet's been sent to england and rosencrantz and guildenstern die off stage and when people start dying uh i found it much more exciting and i i really did enjoy it it was worth the 20 bucks it cost to see it yeah i think so too it was very beautifully done um like i said they they added i think they added some parts in because there were some parts i didn't recognize but again it's been years since i've I read think they just rearranged it yeah uh the actress who played ophelia was stupendous oh, she was amazing yeah she did such a good job and that wig she had where it looked like she'd been p- pulling, pulling her, her own hair, hair out. yeah 
She did a good cool. job of, of playing crazy. I just keep thinking of The Simpsons. Nobody out crazy is Ophelia. I think my favorite scene was maybe the gravedigger scene. I thought he was hilarious. Yeah, he was good too. They did a good job of the ghost too, even the staging of it when he was like going back into the underworld and reappearing in the stage. And um, Yeah, I think it was extremely well done. I think if it was on DVD, I'd buy it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That and the Kenneth Branagh versions are my two. The Kenneth Branagh one I really like. It was nice to learn that even the National Theater of England can have technical glitches. Oh, yeah. There was this... Laertes' microphone. Yeah, it was this weird glitchy sound, and I thought, oh, I paid so much money for this ticket. How can Cineplex do this? And then I realized, wait, this isn't Cineplex. This is what was broadcast to them. Yeah. Uh, And so Laertes' mic was going in and out, and, and then he came back, and he had a... You could... Alertis was played by an African, um, a, a, an Englishman of African descent, and uh, you could see that uh, after his he went off stage, he came back with a different mic cable, and it was bright white, and it went <laughs> down his head. I'm like, oh, that was what the problem was. He, he had a bad mic cable, <laughs> so. Uh, and I may have freaked out the friend of yours that I was sitting next to because I was like, Hamlet's my favorite play, and she looked at me. I'm like, I named my cat after it, and she's like. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was my friend Sandy. Because it's a super tragic play. And I'm like, I like that everybody dies at the end. And she's like, all right. <laughs> uh, not everybody. Um, uh, Horatio's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> but it is my favorite play. I, I quote oh, it's a, it's of, a great all play. the Shakespearean plays. That one's Cumberbatch was amazing in it. He was fantastic. He played uh, when he was in the uh, the little toy castle with the guns. Yeah. That part was adorable. Yeah. And if you ever wonder why he does things like Doctor Strange, there you go. So he can do Hamlet for, you know. He'll do three episodes of of, uh, of Sherlock and then do something like that for a while. Yeah. I was really glad I got the chance to see it. Yeah. That's good. The next um, National Theatre Live production is Macbeth. Hmm. I wonder I wouldn't mind seeing, but we'll see what my... I had had a uh, a kind of horrible week of stuff that I had to write about, so I wanted mindless entertainment. Right, so we it. went and watched giant robots fight giant monsters. Yep, Pacific Rim Uprising. Um, not written or directed by Guillermo del Toro this round. Uh, written and directed by Stephen uh, DeKnight, who uh, is best known for his work on the first season of Daredevil. Um, starring nobody from the first film, other than well, Charlie Day and the the other dude, I guess the the two scientists, they, two they scientists the and the the Asian woman for about fifteen minutes. Spoilers. Well, yeah, she's not in it that long. I didn't say how why she's not there that long. But uh, John Boyega is in, in, in it, and he's also listed as a producer. And, yep. Um, on a whole, eh, not bad. I enjoyed it. Yeah, hey, it was okay. I just wanted a decent enough story that made sense and awesome looking robots fighting big monsters or and or other robots and I got that. Yeah. Right. Without giving away the big twist, it, it did solve cuz talking to Jen, one of the the big issues is like, well, how do the monsters get back? They sealed the rift. It was the entire point of the first film. Right. Yeah. Um, they actually they solved that. that really, really well. Yeah. Like it, it, travel? No. no. No, no, no. Something that actually made sense. Oh, okay. Yeah. We can tell you after if you want us to really spoil it Doesn't for you. Matter. Yeah. I, um, Brent already told me because I'm never going to watch this movie. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> but the, uh, the the giant robots, the mechs were cool looking. Um, it was well. there was no not as much existential angst as Hamlet? 
Well, not really. Maybe not as much. There was some existential angst. Yeah, you know, the, the living up to his, the, you know, father because it was the son of Stacker Pentecost, uh, of, which is one of the Elba's best characters. film names in the last one. So he's trying years. to live up to his father's image. You know, the the hero that saved the world. Uh, but just, even then, yeah, yeah. Clint Eastwood's son, Scott Eastwood's in it. And yeah, he did a decent he's job. Pretty good and. I you can't know, remember the name of the the girl in it. The, the young one, the, the young one, but no, she, she was, was good. pretty solid too. Uh, the 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 fight scenes were well lit. It wasn't like you're watching robots and monsters or robots and robots fight in the dark. You yeah, can actually exactly. tell who, that would be the who main things difference were. with the first one. It wasn't rainy and dark. It was always daylight when they were fighting. For yeah. the well, most that's part. good. I like that better. It's I have a hard time following fight scenes when it's dark or shaky cam, or both. <laughs> It's a, the only thing is, is like you could tell Del Toro wasn't really involved. Like, there's just some sort of kind of I, I that, hate just a the little, term. The, yeah, a little feeling, a little. That, yeah, yeah the, I I was gonna say magic that just yeah, wasn't the Del Toro there. darkness, the the weirdness. Yeah, that, but they like did the, set it up for a three. Yeah, which I don't know if we'll get or not. It had a really strong opening weekend. Has it opened in China yet? Yeah, that I don't don't know, but it. Uh, it got knocked out by Ready Player One this weekend already. Yeah, which right? would have so. everybody knew that anyway. Yeah. They must have known did that it was win its weekend? What Ready Player yeah. One? No, no, no it did. Pacific Rim. It did because there yeah. was it, there was nothing else there. I thought maybe Black Panther was still in the no. It, it beat Black Panther, but if you look at the numbers, it wasn't like like it, for an opening weekend. It wasn't a huge opening it weekend. It wasn't no, like it wasn't Ready e- Player One's weekend even. So. It wasn't even top through this weekend. Black yeah. Panther was still was still third this past weekend. Behind Ready Player One and something else. I'll be I'll be honest. I'll be surprised if there's a third one, yeah. unless they figure out a way to make it cheap. Or Guillermo del Toro comes back and does it. Well, yeah, that's the other. The, the or it opens He's huge got an in China. That's that's also true, but that hasn't saved Warcraft so yet. Mm, yeah, I kind of so want to see that movie. Yeah, it's on Netflix. We should yeah, sit down and watch it. Um, but following that, speaking of. Ready Player One. Yep. Um, Jen and I have both read the book. You two have not. Correct? Yeah, but I read the book no. five or six years ago. Yeah, I know, but so. I'm just like just sort of setting the table for for listeners. Um, I guess uh, start with Kevin. No, don't start with me. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, we, with... we the three of us, Brent, Jen, and I, we saw it together on the Thursday opening night. Mm. And I'm pretty sure we all loved it. I loved it. I wanted Jen to wanted to see it again. I wanted to see it again, like right away. I just yeah. want to know because I'd totally forgotten about the book. This is why I said I read the book like six years ago. I don't remember what happened. Um, I wanted to know if watching it a second time, it would all of the the unknowns would hold out. Because I mean, I knew. Okay, this is the spoilery part. I knew that Par- Parcival won, obviously, uh-huh. and I knew that there was different keys but i couldn't remember all of the tricks and what happened and all of the ups and downs and plot twists and so i was like i was really excited through the through the uh the exciting parts i was like what's gonna happen what's gonna happen the second key plot uh was different from the book is what i most of them were probably i read the book six years ago i don't remember i don't remember (laughs) there's a dungeons and dragons adventure in the book that they thought wouldn't make for great and to be honest, they're right. <laughs> and the race car part wasn't in the book. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't? No. Oh, okay. 
But but the race is a perfect situation to throw in all kinds of different pop culture references that you can throw in there because apparently after you know like we said all those videos started coming up on over the weekend I mean I oh here's this character here's there that character a, I got a list on Facebook that was like the 100 pop culture references you missed in Ready Player One yeah, yeah. so apparently in that race sequence when he's walking down the you know the racetrack there's a an A team van. Yeah. Oh, is there? Which yeah. I didn't even see in viewing, but there's a Knight Rider car too. I think. No, there's not a Knight Rider car, but his DeLorean has the Knight Rider, like front light. Yeah, in the front of his DeLorean. Well, I did not love it as much as you three. <clears throat> I thought it was fine, but I also thought uh, that it was another chosen white boy wins his quest movie like i felt the plot was very similar to almost like harry potterish you know it's like guy like good looking young white dude goes on a quest makes some friends they help him out yeah he wins the prize but he's uh, not a good looking white dude <laughs> he's a white dude he's not good looking you didn't think he was good looking no his avatar was cute but in real life, but he was I just found average. That, I found, yeah, that's the whole point. It's an average schmo goes and I quest and wins. Didn't think he was he was movie average then. Because well, yeah. Well, yeah. Everybody, is, <laughs> everybody in a movie is you know. Even the ugly people are beautiful. He reminded in me of Baby Driver. He looked very similar. I thought to the to the guy. From I thought he kind of reminded me of uh, what's his name, Miles Teller, the the guy from the yeah. shitty Fantastic or Four movie. Even, um, <clears throat> Young Anakin Skywalker from Episode Two. Um, what's his Hayden? name? Hayden. Hayden Christensen. They just, you know. No, though both of them are better looking. I, I felt like the <laughs> pop culture references, the while they female. were necessary to the plot and to keep it from the book, I also felt like a lot of them were there to get fanboys to go back and see the movie again to find the. Oh, Waldo d- that definitely. I'd agree with it, that. But that's kind of like a plot within a plot of the whole movie. Yeah, <laughs> I just. I, eh. mm. it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is. It's uh, so I liked it. I would probably give it like on a scale of one to ten at six and a half. I really liked it. Uh, I hadn't much like Jen. I hadn't read the book in a while, um, so the changes didn't bother me. And the changes I do remember are like. Okay, yeah, that uh, that makes sense. It, it would make a D and D adventure for the the movie when and there's like in between quests. Uh, I could be wrong. In between quests, there's like a couple months, kind of like at Lord of the Rings, right? Like they they took out like those. In the book, do they all live in Columbus? No, there there's a number of changes in terms of like um, Simon Pegg's character, for instance, is a very important character in the book. Mm. Um, the he's a very important character in the movie, but he's yeah, more, he's but more of a character. He's more like, active. He yeah. basically ends up funding them at one point because the the evil corporation, um, the missile attack that we see on Wade mm-hmm. happens to all of the five. Uh, and in fact, the uh, the two Asian guys, their brothers, and I think the younger one ends up dying. If oh. I could be wrong. It's been a long time since I read the book. Does but he die or does he zero out? N- no, dead. No, like, well, like dead in real, real life, life dies. They, 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 they attack his, their home. And oh, okay. That up, mis- okay. 
And um, so they end up at Simon Pegg's character's, like, home, and he ends up bankrolling them, like, getting them new gear and helping them finish the quest. So that's a major difference. But I can under also, again, I'm like, I can understand why they changed that for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the pop culture references, I can completely see where you were coming from because, like, at certain points, it was almost <coughs> distracting. distracting. Like especially the big battle scene towards yeah. the end of the film, you do like you don't know where to look. It's, um, but on a whole, I I enjoyed it. It's the first movie in ages that I thought used three D half decently. Mm-hmm. Not where not like not to where fully like you know okay this well, was worth it. But the sequence when they go to the Shining Hotel from the video game world into Which, that. Yeah. Was a nice really cool transition. Like yeah. the way it I, looked was just really worked in the 3D. That's a part I want to see the making of on the DVD. I would say listen to director's commentaries, but Spielberg doesn't do those. <laughs> so that was the other thing. It was nice to see that Spielberg can make a movie like that. So, mm-hmm. it's been we looked it up. What do we figure was Indiana Jones was the last time he really and the crystal skull was like was the last time he really attempted something like that. So it's because it, it, I I like I'm one of those people who I like Spielberg. I like I'm I like his serious stuff, but quite frankly, his last couple serious movies I, I don't the post was his last movie. Oh, yeah, didn't bother watching it. Um, Bridge of Spies before that was yeah. they're good, but they're just like you know. I think it's time for you to get some aliens and blow some shit up again, Steve. But, uh, yeah. So, do you, do you guys remember what trailers you saw before Ready Player One? I made a list. Nothing new and exciting. We didn't get anything new. Well, we, we got, got Spider-Man. Into the Spider-Verse? Into the Spider-Verse. Yep, we got oh, that. Oh, yeah, we got that one. Mission Impossible 6. Yep. 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 Avengers 3. Yep. Uh, Rampage. Yep. yep. And Fantastic Beasts 2. Yep. Yep. We saw all those ones, yeah. Rampages, I'm calling that The Rock's Monkey Movie. Meh. I like that video game. You hear that you Bull is threatening to sue them over it? Why? He made a trilogy of movies called Rampage, apparently, and he said it's going on his copyright trademark. But I'm like, the video game predates your trademark, <coughs> you useless tool of a filmmaker. And I use filmmaker even lately. It's the worst movie. Ma- like... Ed Woods at least were enjoyable. <laughs> Yours are just garbage <clears throat> that were used as tax shelters by other Germans. And the only reason you don't make movies anymore is because Germany changed that law and you can't get money from investors because they would get like an almost 100% investment back. Sorry, I hate you, Bull. <laughs> I, went on, I went on a date to see Alone in the Dark. It was a double date with uh, this girl's... Uh, best friend and her boyfriend and they had picked it and i knew going in because i saw who directed it i'm like oh this is gonna be a piece of shit and at the end of it it was kind of like one of those like endings of like oh did the main characters die did the evil come back and i just remember the girl i was dating at the titanic movie and like i don't get it are they dead? And I'm like, God I hope so because <laughs> that means I won't get a shitty sequel to this. Her friend apologized afterwards. But, yeah. So, uh, Ready Player One, um, 
we, we all liked it, so, uh, some of us more than others, so yeah. take that as I'd your caution. I'd say out of a 10, I'd give it a good eight and a half. I'm thinking it's my favorite movie so far this year. But, I mean, I haven't seen too many. Yeah. I really liked it. I, um, probably eight and a half. Yeah, well, that sounds about right. Because I'd give Pacific Rim, like, a seven, seven and a half. Yeah, I didn't put that at a six for me to be honest. Oh, I'm a little more generous. It's enjoyable, I but I like I have no urge to see it again. Eh, like awesome. virtually none. Yeah. Whereas the first one, I went it was like I want my DVD copy. I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> no. So that so take it with a grain of salt. We all have different tastes, and nobody's wrong. Unless you're well, defending Batman versus Superman, might be wrong. Um. <laughs> Don't get me started again. Yeah, I know, I know. I just like to slide that one in there every once in a while. So we come. Why to- do you put Doomsday in? The- <laughs> so I, uh, I, we come to the end of the episode, and with every episode, oh, we let me have- go home and go to bed. Geek picks. Oh, picks. we're not done yet. No, no geek we're picks. almost there. See, look at that. You tried to sign off earlier without even doing that. This one should be yours. You I was should getting, pick Solar Man. I should pick Solar Man. Yeah. I haven't read it yet, though. So, Kevin, you what's don't your? Need to. I gave him such so an just I followed yesterday. <laughs> just yesterday, I discovered this little game app for my iPhone called Marvel Strike Force. I think that's a brand new game, isn't it? It might be. It's sort of a level up your character RPG type fight game. It's turn based, mm-hmm. so I don't have to worry about everybody attacking me at once. I I send Punisher in, and then I send Spider Man in, and then I send Daredevil in, and they beat up on the bad guys. And I am really enjoying it. Um, I've been playing for like four days now. And you just play against the computer, or uh, do you actually no, play against uh, other once people? Once you get to a certain level. You can do um, attacks against other players. Oh, yeah. So my team is at level eighteen, and my characters include my my base hero team is Punisher, Luke Cage, Spider Man, a Shield medic, and Daredevil. You need the Shield medic because she heals up all your heroes. And then my core <laughs> villain team is Nebula, Crossbones, Elektra, and a Hand Archer and a Hand Sorceress. And you need the Hand Sorceress because she also heals up your people when they get hurt. <laughs> Uh, you have to have a hero team and a villain team? Yeah, because there are two different um, campaigns. Oh. There's a hero campaign and a villain campaign. Interesting. Yeah. So it's fun. It's mindless. It takes me about an hour a day to play all everything that's in the uh, in the daily objectives. And uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. So it's called Marvel Strike Force. Cool. Ryan. Uh, well, this will probably be the last time I picked this. Squirrel but- Girl? No, that's me. Oh. In the final trade for Invincible came out last week. Oh, nice. So Invincible uh, trade, you know, I guess volume or number 25, The End of All Things Part 2 wraps up the entire run of Invincible. Uh, you get some nice time jumps to see into the future and where the characters go and everything like that. And uh, it's uh, it was good. It was a nice satisfying ending to that run. Uh, I would recommend that now you can find all the trades out there. They're all out there. They got them at then your local comic and they shop. Have them in different sizes and yep. page counts and price points. Single floppies. You can get trades. You can get those. Well, not omnibuses, but the uh, Compendium. compendiums, where it's like fifty issues in one book. Uh, yep. So I recommend Invincible, probably for the last time until the live action comes out, if it ever gets made. Yep. Jen. Jen. Squirrel Girl. 
What? what about Squirrel Girl? You should read Squirrel Girl. If okay. you haven't already read Squirrel Girl, you should read it. I don't know what episode we're at now, but I've been saying you should read Squirrel Girl since the beginning, so really, you should be reading it by now. I think now. there's only one you've missed, right? According to Kevin's thing? Yeah. And that might have been, uh, well, two including the episode that you're not on. <laughs> uh, so my geek pick is... This is the Omnibus, right? Yes. It's the Bodhi Troll Omnibus by Jay Fosgit. And I'm not sure if Brent already picked this as a geek pick, but now I've read it, and so it's now it's my geek pick. Um, it's fantastic. It is so cute. Um, I would even I would definitely recommend this for kids. Um, if you have a reluctant reader who likes fart jokes and... Uh, a story about a troll who really, really wants to be scary, but just isn't. Uh, this is a great book for them. Uh, and for adults, too. It's got a lot of nice hu- jokes that, that grown-ups will get as well. Um, and I love that he's he's trying so hard to be a mean, nasty troll, but he's so sweet and tender-hearted <laughs> through this whole thing. He ends up befriending everyone. And then he's like, but I'm a mean troll. It's so cute. Anyway... Uh, next time we see Jay Fosgit, I really need him to do a sketch of Baby Bodie from in here. I have to show if I can find it. I got to show Brent this one where he's saying "woots" in the corner. <laughs> Baby Bodie is the cutest thing. <laughs> so yes, yep. everybody read Bodie Troll. Uh, just as a side note to that, uh, Jay, who has become kind of a friend of the show, currently has a Kickstarter going on for his uh, Dead Duck and Zombie Chick uh, radio play. You can Oh, cool. So uh, if you go to our Facebook page, there's a link to it there somewhere. I'm, I probably will repost it a couple times um, because uh, I like Jay and I'm going to be participating in the Kickstarter. I just haven't decided which level to put my money at yet. The uh, top one. I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> Actually, even that one's not, not that Jay bad. That's not what Jay wants to hear. I know, but that's uh, Jay doesn't pay my bills, and I don't pay his bills. You will if you donate at the top level. Mm. Um, so, uh, which comes to me, and we, were, we mentioned it earlier, uh, that my geek pick is the New Mutants trade of the Demon Bearer saga. Um, it collects the three issues plus, um, so they did kind of something interesting back in the eighties. You would actually take time and lead up to a story with like hits and bits and bobs, especially in the X-Men books. Yeah. So in this case, um, the lead up to, um, the three issues of the, the original demon bear story, there's like I think two pages in one issue, a page in another issue, and they're all collected along with the three issues done by, written by Chris Claremont and uh, drawn by Bill Sinkevich, and and other stuff. And I'll get to the other stuff in a minute. It's a really great story. It, it it's it's really and you can see why if that is supposed to be the the foundation for that New Mutants movie why they picked it because it's really good and it's also very different than the anything the x-men books had tried to do before right it's it's a horror story to for lack of a better term to it with people that have superpowers and sinkevich was trying some different stuff from what he had done on moon knight at the time and 
uh, he was just starting to fire on all cylinders at that point. He wasn't where he would become, but still. I'll tell you, as a young youngster, when I bought those issues at, um, off the rack, I guess, probably back then, I did not care for Sienkiewicz's art because it was so different. Oh, yeah. I cannot from completely. From whoever it was that started that book, and it it didn't. It didn't resonate with me as like a fourteen-year-old. There's even a forward or uh, an afterward from one of the earlier trades that they included in it, where he mentions about how much shit he got. Like, and this is before the internet. Like the letters that came in saying that, like, oh, this is his art is garbage and <laughs> stuff like that. But. Now you know you hate it when you got to actually buy a stamp and stick it on an envelope yeah. to mail it <laughs> yeah, in. That's dedication. Um, it also includes they have revisited the the demon bear idea since then uh, with an issue of the modern New Mutants comic that from a couple of years ago. Okay, and apparently an issue of X Force where um, Warpath from X Force encounters his own demon bear. And the the previous the the '90s New Mutant stuff, the late '90s, early 2000s New Mutant stuff that's in it, or I guess uh, mid 2000s, eh, I kind of skipped through that issue. Yeah. The X Force issue with Warpath actually was kind of cool, it, because it, it sort of connects them on, you know, on like a, a tribal sort of line. So right. I can. But uh, the trade for a Marvel trade is not very expensive, and it'll give you kind of an idea of where that New Mutants movie gets some of its ideas from. Right. Cool. So that's it for this episode. Yes, it is. Um, We've still got a ton of material slowly trickling out from our adventures. Um, Hopefully you liked the uh, Jimmy Palmati interview that has already gone up uh, the week before this episode did. And hopefully you enjoyed our Superman three uh, DVD commentary. Um, it's I know a little different. I did. It's a little different. We might try it again at some point. We might not. Well, we'll see. It kind of depends on you guys. If yeah. you guys like it, let us know. I was about to say that. Let us know. <laughs> um, so please make sure to write us or uh, rate and review on iTunes and SoundCloud. Tweet us, I you know whatever different things we've got. What else are we on there? Instagram, Instagram. <laughs> yep, Ryan's all the things. Asleep. Oh yeah, it's well after my bedtime. I didn't have a nap today At or anything. North Nerds, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yep. And uh, in the meantime, we will have another regular episode up in two weeks. Yay! Yay! Yay. So for Kevin and Jen and Sleepy Ryan, this is Brent <laughs> saying, stay tuned for a new episode in two weeks. Good night. Bye. Good night. Set your phasers to sexy. You've been listening to the True North Nerds, recorded at the Utility Cupcake Research Kitchen. Reach the nerds on Twitter at True North Nerds. On Facebook, under, surprise, True North Nerds. And you can reach them by email at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. If you like the opening theme song, it's called Set Your Phasers to Sexy by Kirby Crackle from the album Sounds Like You. Please go to kirbycracklemusic.com or look them up on iTunes and buy everything that they have made. You won't regret it. So set your phasers to sexy.